revival last week, you missed a tremendous blessing. Um, it's always good when Brother Jason's here. Man, he was here. He shared his heart. He shared his heart for the church. He shared his heart for your pastor. Um, Sunday morning, so just a little rundown. So Sunday morning, um, he, he covered, Lord, if it be thou, Sunday night, what to do at Ziklag. Man, he was in 1 Samuel chapter 30. Um, Monday night was forgiving what you can't forget. Um, Man, if there was one that stuck out to me the most, that was probably it. You, you've heard it, at least, man, if you've been in any, if you've been in church in any time at all, you've heard somebody say, well, I'll forgive you, but I won't forget it. And, and man, it was just a, a tremendous message. And Tuesday night, um, he, he covered what is it that is enough. And, and man, it, they all, every message was, was just tremendous. Um, so what we're going to do this morning is is we've got a couple people we're going to uh, call up to do some testimonies. And what we're going to do essentially is just to, to take an inventory from what the Lord did in our hearts over revival. Uh, you can call a series of meetings revival all you want to, but just because you label it revival does not mean that it's revival. Um, if God does not move in the heart of the people that are there, uh, man, it's, it's, it's just us congregating together and, and sitting together in the same building. But man, if, if the word of God is preached and, and we've prepared our hearts and we are allowing God to do something in our hearts, uh, that's the first step. Uh, man, if we come in here stonewalled and, and we're not prepared to let God do anything, well, we're, we're limiting, we're hindering what the Spirit of God can do in our, in our life individually. Um, you, you might ask, you know, why are we doing this? There's a couple reasons why. One, because it's healthy. One, man, it's good for the church to, to take an inventory of where we're at spiritually because if we know where we are, we know where we can move forward. Um, it says right here, it says, because for some, I hope it's, it's, it's provoking to some. Man, I hope that you hear somebody's testimony. I hope that you hear what God did in their heart, man, and it makes you hungry for God to do the same thing or just to do something in your heart. I, I, I hope that after today and after hearing the testimonies, you have a hunger for God to, to work in your life and to work in your heart. And, and for some, I hope it shows you exactly where you've left some things in your spiritual walk. We know that God doesn't leave us. God doesn't walk away. But, man, I think if we all, we could all agree that we've been guilty of walking away from God in our life. In, in different areas when things get hard, man, we, we want to keep going. We think we've got the answers and we walked away. So, man, I hope this morning that, that you, you get to see where you've left things with God if you have. But then also, because, man, God wants us to glorify him. And how he's worked in our lives up until we, where we currently are at the moment. Uh, Brother Jason covered last year. Uh, a lot of people will, will ask and ask God for things. And when God does them, man, we bump on to ask him for the next thing. And we never actually stop and take time to thank the Lord for what he's done. Man, this morning, these people sharing testimonies is stopping, taking time, and thanking God for what he's done. Um, first Samuel. Um, it says chapter 7, but I think it's 17. It may, it may be off right here. Second Samuel, it, it says uh, chapter 7, verse 12. It says, Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shen and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Man, this story, the, the, the ark is, has been traveling through these Philistine camps, and, and the Israelites have lost the ark of the covenant. And once they, once they get it back and, and they take it back, man, Samuel calls them to take this stone and set it up, and they call it Ebenezer. And... And exactly what it means, it says right here at the end of verse 12, it says, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Up until right now at this point, man, everything that's been done, God has done. And man, what he was doing, he, there, there's got to be a marker. There's got to be something in our life that says, this is where I remember what God has done. This is where I, 
I take remembrance of what God has done in my life. So first, uh, we've got coming up here. If, if you're here, you know that, man, Brother Jason's heart was, was toward your pastor. Um, his heart was heavy for Lee. And, and, and to, to kind of show a little, a little back shot of that, first up, we've got Sarah Jo. Um, yeah, yeah, give her, give, her, uh, give her a round of applause here. Um, okay, so revival was really good for me. The first message, it was about Ziklag and like David, I think it was David. Um, David, he was like, the Ziklag got burned down and like he used that as like an example of like hard times in our life. And then David, he was like getting like, everybody was going at him because he was a king. <coughs> he was a king. And then um, like, he was like at a really hard time in his life, and then, so he was like having <coughs> my voice. He was having to seek the Lord in it, and like Brother Jason was talking about, we can't control everything in our life, and Lord, He like uses like those ziklag moments to build our faith, and like because they're gonna be hard, but we gotta like just seek Him in it. And the second message was like Brother Daniel was saying, the forgiveness without forgetting, and then um, that was really good for me because like. Sometimes the Lord, he'll, like, make us, like, we got to forgive people in order to even be productive for him. And then there was uh, us, we have to, like, like, when we're forgiving people, we can't just, like, do it out of, like, our flesh. We got to, like, do it for the Lord. And sometimes, like, we want someone in our life more than the Lord wants them in our life, and that was a big thing. And then the third one was, like, what's the it in our life, um, like, the it behind it being enough and then he was using Elijah and Elijah he was like in a really like rough place and he was like asking the Lord to take his life because he was like nobody realized because he was like man of God and like I guess nobody realized that like there was something behind all the good things and then so he was like asking the Lord to take his life and then we should remember like we gotta like back up the man of God and we can't just think there's nothing wrong with it because we don't know everything like everybody's going through. And then another thing you mentioned that was like, if we really care about it, you got to pray about it. You can't like say you care about it and not pray about it. He said like a prayless man is a careless man. And that really, and that was big. And then he pointed out again, like uh, Elijah, he's like the good thing people saw was like revival. He said revival isn't like just scheduled dates. It's like in our heart and how much like we become like more to look like Christ and that was really big great job uh, I'm telling you one day one day these kids she she knows it's coming Miss Diane's up next and she is man she's spring-loaded this morning she's ready to roll um, if, if, if you don't know Miss Diane was was not keen on doing this man but she wanted to submit to the Lord and and she wanted to, to be willing so I'm, I'm gonna let her jump well, I got a lot out of the revival. I'm going to step over here. But I didn't like coming after her because <laughs> she did so well. But um, Brother Jason, it was like he was talking to me. Um, a lot of people know in here. I've been through many storms with my daughter and my grandson. <laughs> and now I'm going through storms again with my granddaughter. <laughs> But through listening to Brother Jason, I understand that one day I will hear. Um, wait a minute. 
and the many storms I went through, uh, these people who, he, was, he said the deepest cuts come from your loved ones or your family, and that's very true. Uh, I tried to fix it myself, and it was a disaster. So I just leave it up to God, and he hopefully someday I'll know what's going on. Um, Brother Jason uh, also said a lot. He made a lot of sense when he said uh, the storm is so great in your life that you don't realize you don't recognize the Lord, and that's probably me. And I don't take time to look, and I gotta slow down. <laughs> he says he knows. <laughs> I gotta slow down and just look and pray and read my Bible and stuff like that. Um, also, forgiveness. I've learned to forgive, and uh, that is a hard thing to do when you are hurt so bad. You have to forgive. So, um, when time comes, uh, this is I got out too. When time comes, I hope I can get out of the boat and strengthen my faith and walk on water. I hope. <laughs> Uh, I, at this time, I want to thank the church and my church family because without them, I would be a basket case. They welcomed me with open arms. They welcomed Chloe and my family with uh, uh, open arms. And I want to <laughs> thank Nicole. She's my discipler, and she was she's wonderful. She put up with my <laughs> not knowing things, and at my age, I should know this stuff, but I didn't. <laughs> but I've learned a lot, and I'm learning a lot through class on Monday. So that's what I learned. <laughs> Who's next? Oh. <laughs> oh, man, praise the Lord. Um, when I had, I had Nicole call Miss Diane. And uh, Nicole thought I was about to call her up here. She's like, what? Now, I had Nicole call Miss Diane, and, and I asked her, I said, I said, did Miss Diane say yes? She said, at first, she said no. And uh, she said then, she said, well, I told her, she said that, that you and Brother Lee asked for her by name. And she's like, well, I can't say no to that. Like, how do, how do I get out of that? Uh, man, praise the Lord for it. Miss Diane is a tremendous blessing. Um, up next, we got Chandler. Uh, he's going to come up here. Chandler, me, he, he texted me a couple things um, Man, after that Sunday night message, after Ziklag, um, Chandler was doing some reading, and he texted me, and we thought it would be a great idea, man, just have uh, Chandler share his heart and, and some what the Lord had, had in store for him last week. I'm not going to lie. The first time uh, Lee asked me to speak, I straight up looked at him and said no. And I sat back down in my pew, and <laughs> ever since then I felt bad about it. So I've been asked twice now, and I've <laughs> had to stand up here and do it whether I'm shaking in my bones or not. <laughs> um, just like SJ was, Sarah Joe was saying about Ziklag, um, we have those hard times, those Ziklag moments where we don't know what to do and we have to encourage ourselves to look to God and trust in what he does. Um, Jason didn't preach on this, but if you read down in 1 Samuel 30, the rest of the chapter, um, David comes across a man in the desert 
that was left by his master. And he had helped burn down Ziklag. And David came to him and they gave him his, the best food they had and water. And they, David told him that he would spare his life if he told them where to find, um, I think it was the men of Belial that burned. <laughs> yeah. And um, so he did and he spared the, man, the servant's life. And um, just the amount of compassion that David had shown towards a man that he did not know. Um, later on, it actually, or before that, it says that there were 200 of the 600 men that he was taking to battle with him that he actually left behind. They said they were too weary to make the journey. And after the battle was said and done, they took the spoil, um, which is all their meat, their harvest, and all the stuff that they had. And they also took back their wives and children and all their belongings that they could carry. And on the way back, they see the 200 that were left behind. And David saluted them. And a wicked man came up front and spoke to the 200 that were left behind and told them that they were not going to share the spoils with them because they did not help fight the battles. And David spoke up and stopped the wicked men and told him that they were going to share it with everyone that it didn't matter if they helped or not, that this is, this is what God gave us, this is what God, we're going to give to them as well. And it just spoke to me just on the amount of compassion David showed all of these people in 36 verses. And I know I've been places in my life where at the moment I don't see it, and at the end of it I'm like, there was God testing me on how much compassion I should have shown towards that person in that moment or towards my wife at home and just all different types of situations. Um, on the last night, uh, I don't think anybody left out of here without a tear in their eye. But I think we all have a new or better appreciation for Brother Lee and his family and what they do for us. And I'm just so thankful. Um, you know, on, on that note, um, I could tell you, uh, Sean could tell you, Dylan could tell you, um, man, there, there's a lot of things that happen that, that not everybody sees. There's a lot of conversations that are had that not everybody hears. Um, and man, there, there are times uh, when it weighs on this man, and you may never know it. You may never know the heartache. You may never um, see the tears. You may never see the pain or the grief or... Man, just, just, man, being a pastor requires so much. Um, and it really requires a lot when people aren't easy to pastor. Amen? You, you, can, you can say amen and admit you're not easy to pastor. That's totally fine. Uh, I can tell you I'm not. Um, but, man, I, I'm, I'm thankful that we have a pastor that loves God and that loves his word. And that we have two pastors that love God and that love his word. Um, and man, 
Jason's hard all week with four Lee and was for Jordan and for the kids. Um, and and speaking of man, the the OG Chatty Kathy, she's gonna come up here. Um, she's so excited. Um, if you if you can't tell, man, she's overwhelming with joy. Um, I'm, when when Jordan gets done, uh, Brother Lee's gonna come up. So I just want to share that with you, man. These two right here, um, they're the real deal. And man, they 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 deserve your trust and they deserve your respect and. Um, and they put up with a lot. So, Jordan, take her away. I don't like going last. You know, like, I feel like I should have went way earlier. Because how do you follow some of these? You know, what everybody said. Um, one thing that I felt kind of offended by that Jason said whenever he preached on what is it that's enough, uh, he talked about um, things that we see from Elijah. We see bravery. We see him being a prayer warrior, we see him being confident uh, whenever he's facing adversity. And, you know, I'm fortunate enough to, I mean, I say fortunate enough, but I get to see kind of the raw Lee, and he's legit the same here as he is at home. You just kind of get what you get with him. Um, so I see all that in him, but then I also see some things I think that a lot of people don't get to see that he mentioned, uh, the heaviness of false accusations. Like he puts on a tough shell, like, I don't give a rip, but like deep down, it kind of hurts his feelings whenever people talk junk about him. Um, the feeling the odds are against him. You know, it's hard whenever people leave the church. And we were talking to a lady last night in line at the food truck, how, you know, our church had a lot of people in it several years ago. And then when the rubber met the road, whenever we started getting heavy in discipleship, a lot of people kind of flaked out and, and left. And, you know, I'm kind of of the mentality, like Medea of like, just let them walk, you know, like, oh, well, but it bothers Lee, like it honest to God bothers him, um, and then he, uh, the loneliness and the weariness of ministry, and I think because he gets up and he preaches every Sunday, and I get to listen to it, and you know, most of the time it's good messages, I'm not gonna lie, most of the time it is, but like, you know, I'm, I get to hear it and, and be fed, but then I think like, who, like, does he just have to go and listen to other preachers preach on YouTube or, you know, look up other people's church services listed? Because I get to listen to it in person every week. And, you know, I guess, I guess that's what he does. I don't know. I mean, honestly. Um, but then I, I think about, you know, this kind of hit home to me. Jason didn't say it, but I kind of pieced it together that in life there are people who are funnels that pour into you and there are people who are straws that just suck the life out of you. And I I can't tell you how many people that I have known over the last 10 years of Lee pastoring here of people who have just sucked the life out of him. And I, honest to God, wanted just to stab him. I'm like, you know, like, who are they to call at 12 o'clock at night needing something? They ain't been to church in three months. Like, you know, they're just a straw sucking the life out of him. And then I thought, okay, of another message Jason did, and it kind of offended me again that, um, forgiving what you can't forget and how relationships won't always be reconciled but there still needs to be forgiveness even if the person doesn't apologize still got to have forgiveness um, and there were two types of people in our life they're either blessings or they're lessons and that sounds cliche but that's actually true that <clears throat> you know I look back and I see that um, there were some people that were handpicked to be in our life that were assigned to be to be there for a specific season or a 
you know, a specific period, but then there are people who were just allowed in, in our life, and, you know, we learn things from them, um, and the last thing that I did was you can't be productive until you forgive some folks, and that is oh so true. You know, it takes up so much energy and so much mind space and heart space to hold a grudge and be bitter against people. Um, and I'm guilty of not always encouraging Lee, and I'm guilty of never really encouraging Dylan. So that's, I mean, you know, I mean, I just don't think about it. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just true that, okay, enough from the front. I'm just saying, but I mean, you know, you just take for granted that, oh yeah, they get up and they preach on Wednesdays, or they preach on Sundays, and you know, you did good. But like, what about me encouraging one of them on a day that's not a Sunday or a Wednesday. Like, you know, it sounds so far-fetched, but, like, it needs to happen. So that's what I got. <laughs> All right, we're going to retract the Medea quote from the pulpit. <laughs> we'll, leave, we'll leave the rest of it, but if we could, if we could take Medea out of here, we'll... We, yeah. I don't know. Leave stab them in there. I mean, we may we may need that later. You know what I mean? Uh, Brother Jason mentioned the well, greatest part of the whole thing was uh, Brother Jason said when I need to calm down and just chill out, I watch Gladiator. And I, man, I, I my 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 whole world was just made at that point in time. I was like, well, there's one other cycle in the world uh, besides me uh, that finds a lot of enjoyment out of out of out of finding peace and watching the Gladiator of all things. So, uh, man, praise the Lord for what God did. Um, man, God did a, a lot of great things in our life, and I, I just can't thank him enough for it. Um, again, we are super thankful to have all our visitors here today. And, um, man, it's, it's just it's a real honor uh, to have Brother Thomas. It's an honor for me to get to witness it uh, because I hope one day, um, really, I hope one day, if the Lord doesn't come back before then, my kids have uh, children, and um, I hope that I am at a place to where I get to preach at one of my kids' baptisms, uh, my grandkids' baptisms. And um, you say, man, that's a long ways out. And it, it, it is, hopefully. And, um, um, but I do look forward to them days. Um, I look forward to being able to be in this thing with my kids in ministry and serve like they do. I mean, I am, I, I you know, I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I, you know, hope they don't ever take for granted what they have uh, in the ministry and doing what they get to do together and and, and just doing this thing like that. Man, it's just, it's, it's huge. And uh, so I want to make sure, you know, I thought, man, it, it'd be an honor uh, for me to be able to just sit back and, and, be here when Thomas gets to preach and Dylan gets to baptize his daughter on the same day. And uh, so with that said, Brother Thomas, won't you come on, grab your Bible, and, um, and you just enjoy yourself, and, and you follow the Lord. All right, appreciate it, brother. It's a great uh, honor and privilege and opportunity to get to, to share on a special occasion, but I'm kind of like Miss Jordan. I don't know how you, how you follow up her. I mean, go from axe throwing to people stabbing. I love it. <laughs> I like this, Miss Jordan. It is a it is a great opportunity, like Lee said. It's a privilege to be able to uh, to take part in your granddaughter's uh, special day, as far as getting baptized. Of course, her special day happened 
a week or so ago when she accepted Jesus Christ as her Savior, right? And that is a special day. This is just the first act of obedience. You know, I thought about, I thought about it as um, Lee had asked me if I'd like the opportunity to share. And my first, my first thought was maybe it's pastor appreciation. Uh, there's no way to get your people to appreciate you any more than let me speak. <laughs> so now they're going to love you, brother. They're going to like, man, we guys a good one. And you do. I like Brother Lee. I appreciate him and I appreciate his friendship. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 15. I thought about this as I was thinking about an opportunity in a day of, of Maggie getting baptized. And what it represents is the first act of obedience. Of course, the death, the burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. But here's my challenge to you this morning as I challenge myself. I the song that uh, they sang, the first one, I'm not, I'm not good with songs, so I'm just not that, I'm just ignorant. But it said, let my Jesus change your life. And I'm very aware that you're here on a Sunday morning, but my feeling and my thought is this. Salvation is what Christians desire. The changing of the life is not what we desire. That is not what we want. Because salvation only changes our destination. We get changed as people through discipleship. I know you are big on discipleship here. But see, the truth of the matter is, Jesus desires an intimate relationship with me and you. Whether we're pastors, laymen, or whatever. Once you get saved, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. He desires a relationship. Amen. That will change our life. Uh, salvation, like I said, changes your, dest your destination. I always think about 1 Corinthians when it talks about, I'm paraphrasing, but people coming to heaven smelling like smoke, basically. And basically what it is, we just don't get it on this side of, this side of eternity because we don't desire for our life to be changed. Amen. I mean, it's just what it is. We don't want our world rocked. Yeah. We like where we stay. We like our, the area we dwell in. So when I was thinking about Maggie being baptized and the first act of obedience, I want me and you. I've already done this as I prepared for this message. The Lord spoke to me. But I want to challenge you this morning to reflect back on the day you got saved, if you are saved, if you're not saved, then I, I want to encourage you and challenge you to come up to one of your pastors, one of your uh, leaders, and let them show you what the Bible says about being saved, how to get saved. Because Maggie's salvation, my children's salvation, my family's salvation, on this side of eternity, that's, that's the only decision that really matters, right? I mean, if they grow up and be doctors, that's great. If they grow up and be you know, whatever they want to be as far as their occupation, that's great. But the only thing that's going to last forever is what they do with Jesus Christ. And the same thing with me and you, what me and you do with Jesus Christ. So I want to talk a little bit about obedience this morning. I want to talk a little bit about what the Lord has spoke to me about as we reflect on our life as Christians, as we reflect on, uh, if you will, uh, if you're saved, about obedience. And so uh, we're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 15. Before I do, though, I want to reference Galatians chapter 5 in verses 16 and 17. Paul writes this. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. And then, of course, 18 says, but if you be led by the, of the Spirit. I think we give Satan too much credit. I, I really do. I, I think we give him too much credit. You know, we say that we do that. I'm a walker, so y'all have to get over it, so... 
But I think we give Satan too much credit. I, you know, I do the things I do because Satan made me do it. Hogwash. We do the things we do because we allow the flesh to oversee the spirit. And he, oh, before I get talking, we're feeding the flesh. Greater is he that is in me than the world. I get that. But let me tell you something. Life application. When I feed the flesh, my flesh is seen more than the spirit that's in me. It is just truth of the matter. Paul got it. Paul says, he says, walk in the spirit. Live. Desire to dwell with the spirit. And I think about that intimate relationship that, that Christ desires with me and you. And, and that's really what it is. I mean, he loved us so much. There's a, there's a love there that he wants to dwell with us. He wants to have a fellowship with us. He wants to have an intimate relationship with us. He doesn't desire a two-minute checklist of a Bible study by me. Amen. That's not going to change my life. It'll give me a verse that I can quote to some co-workers or to some friends. And that's great. But he desires to change mine in your life. He wants to change our life. And not for our glory, but for his glory. All that for his glory. So we look at Paul when he writes here. We know that Paul also wrote that he, the thing, he does the things he doesn't want to do. and He doesn't do the things that he should. And, and that, that's that battle that we have. So mine and your greatest adversary is not Satan. It's our flesh. It's me and you. That's our biggest adversary. Not you with me, but me with me. And you with you. So we see this in Galatians here when it talks about, he says to walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. And it talks about to be led by the Spirit. And I, like I said, I know you're here on a Sunday morning, so I'm sure you all are led by the Spirit. I'm sure that y'all have a better quiet time than I, do, than I do. And that's great. But there may be a time when you're not so much being led by the Spirit, or you, you find that time where you're discouraged, or whatever you want to say it, where you're not just looking for God. I love the, what uh, Brother Jason, I was able to be here Sunday night, when Jason was talking about David encouraged himself in the Lord. I picture this, the days that we're having struggles, he encouraged himself in the Lord. Yeah, Reading God's Word, I'd encourage you, I'd encourage me. So that being said, we're talking about obedience. We're talking about Maggie as she demonstrates the first act of obedience uh, after salvation is that worldly profession, that worldly showing of the life, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But this morning, as mine and your journey continues, if you're here this morning, you're still on a journey. God's not through with you, and God's not through with me. So that being said, I want to look at 1 Samuel chapter 15. We're going to be bouncing around chapter 15, but I want to read the first three verses in chapter 15. So if you get got your Bibles, 1 Samuel chapter 15. It says, Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all they have and spare them not. But slay both man and women and infant and suckling, ox and sheep and camel and ass. Let us pray. Dear Father, I pray that you remove me. Lord, I pray that let your word be seen, Lord. I Don't let me mess this thing up. You know that I'm able to, Lord, but I pray that the Spirit speak through me and exactly what needs to be said, nothing more, nothing less. Don't, even, don't let me waste these people's time. In your precious name we ask it. Amen. I love the story here. Uh, Amalek is a picture of the flesh. It's a picture of Amalekites, uh, Amalekites, or a picture of flesh, the world, if you will. 
And I like here that there's some things that, is that me, brother, that keeps popping? If it is, I can get this thing going. You good? All right. So I love the story here when um, Saul, of course, that's people's choice, but when Saul in the battle of the Amalekites. And so to understand what he says in verse 2 when he says, uh, remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt, you'd have to go back for history and look at Deuteronomy chapter 25, and it's also in Exodus. But it says, Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 17 and 18 says, Remember what Amalek did unto thee by the way when, he, when ye were come forth out of Egypt, how he met thee by the way and smote thee hindmost of thee, even all were feeble behind thee when thou wast faint and weary and he feared not God. So Amalek is a picture of our flesh, this flesh suit. We don't lose it when we get saved. We still got to carry this thing around. So here's the deal. So he says, remember back when you came out of the world, a.k.a. Egypt, and the first thing you came of contact with was Amaleks, the, uh, Amalekites, Amalek, coming up behind you, attacking you where you weak. Is it not, I mean, is it just me? Is it just funny that Satan, not Satan, that our flesh only attacks us where we're weak? That's a no-brainer, right? That's a no-brainer. Um, he attacks me and you where we're weak, wherever that might be. Anything that can distract us from the will of God. So it says, remember back when they attacked our, our, our from the behind, they came from back, they attacked where the, the, that's where they carried the people that were weak, the people that were elderly, the people that had sicknesses, where they were the most vulnerable. They didn't go to the stronghold, they went to the weakness. Listen, it ain't no different between me and you. We bow this flesh. Satan's going to, I mean, I won't reference Satan, but I'm talking about the flesh. It's not going to attack us where we're the strongest. He's going to attack me and you where we're the weakest. That's where we're going to be vulnerable. That's where it's going to be exposed to attack. So I love that here, that picture. He says, remember that. And then, of course, in Exodus, it talks about when he, when he battles. If you want to look at Exodus chapter, um, well, I think it's Exodus chapter, actually, what did I put in here? It's Exodus, Exodus um, 17. We'll look at that in a minute, Exodus chapter 17. Well, that's the story about Moses when he's, he's having to raise the hand and he's fighting the Amalekites. And he's got her and Aaron holding up his arms. Of course, that's a picture of the cross. It's a typology of of Jesus and he's there's victory when he's got his arms held up in a cross formation and when he drops they lose right they're losing the battle and that's a picture of me and you trying to overcome the flesh in our own will our own desire and our own strength and can I help you this morning I don't care how much me and you are in the word when we think we got it conquered that's when we're the most vulnerable that's when we're going to show up the most weakest and that's when we fail period when the Bible says that it I can do all things through who Thomas through you? No, through Christ who strengthens me. That's where my strength is. That's where your strength is. It's not in ourselves, but it's through Christ. So we see the story here when he says in verse 2, to remember what Amalek did to Israel. I love that. So look, I'm going to make some life application, and then we'll go on our way, whatever uh, Brother Lee's got stored next. Of course, the baptism of Miss Maggie, but... But I hope this helps you out this morning. I know you hear, like I said, I keep repenting on a Sunday morning. But I want to reference Galatians, where Paul talks about walking in the Spirit and not fulfilling the lust of the flesh and how the two are contrary. That It's like oil and water. They don't go together. They don't mix, right? So the picture here that we have, I want us to see point number one is what happens. First, the Samuel was uh, anointed Saul as king to be over his people. The anointment. So I want us to... 
flesh starts attacking us once we're saved. When we're not saved, there is no attack because we're living in the flesh. We don't even see that we don't even see that we're under attack, if you will. So the 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 attack from Amalek, the attack from our flesh starts on salvation. It starts when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. It says that the Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people. So we see that it begins uh, in the anointing. The second thing here is is verse number two. So what we're talking about is, so look at Exodus. If you got, I don't know if I gave you those verses, brother, but if you look at the the, uh, the story of of, uh, M, of Exodus chapter 17, flip over. It's right behind Revelations if you got it in your Bible in alphabetical order. It's not really. Don't start flipping behind Revelation. So here's, here's the deal. So you look at... Um, this is the story. You pick up Exodus chapter 17, and you look at verse 16, and it says this. For he said, because the Lord, the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek, which is a picture of our flesh, from generation to generation. From generation to generation. We, look, I don't care how spiritual me and you are, we're never going to get victory over this flesh on this side of eternity. It is a constant war. He said right here, he said from generation to generation to generation to generation, God has declared war on our flesh. And listen, we all know it. We all know it. What it says, but here's our weapon. Here's our weapon. We've got to be in the Word. So look, look at verse, look at verse uh, 1. It says, now after the colon, now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. We're talking about our battle. Me and you have in the flesh if we're saved against our flesh. Our greatest adversary, it's going to be Maggie's greatest adversary, is going to be her flesh, no different than me and you. So we see right here it says, hearken, hearken, listen, pay attention. Hey, look this way. I got something for you that I'm going to help you with your flesh, but you better get in the Word. I want to skip a couple of days because I got this flesh that's overcoming my spirit, if you will. And I don't feel like being in the Bible, if you will. I don't feel like being in God's Word, if you will. I don't feel like being led by the Spirit, if you will. That's what we're saying when I'm not in my Bible, is that I don't want to be led. I want my flesh to lead me. So look, then look for Moses' hands to be down. Look for Amalek, the Amalekites, to have victory over me and you. And look, somebody will come up and go ask about the glory. Uh, wait, what's that hope you have in you? Oh, the hope I have in me is my flesh is being seen and out my spirit. Is that what we desire? No. But that's what I'm saying when I choose to get up each and every morning and not hearken, not listen, not pay attention to thus saith the Lord. That's what we're saying. That's what it says in verse 1. It says, hearken, hearken, rise up, pay attention, hearken. So number one, to be obedient, to overcome or to have victory, if you will, temporary as it may be, over our flesh, it requires me and you to hearken, thus saith the Lord. What does the Lord say? We have to be in His Word. Listen, I'll be honest with you. I'm very transparent. I know Lee is too. I'm very transparent. There's a lot of days I don't feel like reading my Bible. And if it's only me, then I'm the Lone Ranger, and I'm okay to be the Lone Ranger. There's days that I'm in the flesh. I may be upset. There may be something that's got me discouraged. Whatever it may be, and I, my first resource is not the Word. Just me. But I can tell you, the days that I'm able through Christ to persevere through those feelings and get in the Word of God, it changes my whole outlook. 
Yeah, it does. It changes my whole outlook. It changes me from thinking about why I'm upset or what's going on in my life to thinking on Jesus Christ and thinking on others. And all this sounds churchy. Look, it, at my church, when I preach, I tell them all the time, I can't stand bumper stickers. I really can't. If you got some on, don't be hating on me. Don't go stoning me afterwards. But I'm just not much on bumper stickers. They're a bunch of cliches, a bunch of cliches. Bu- that's great. That's great. I want things that's going to be applicable, things that's going to change my life, that's going to change your life, right? Uh, we all have cliches, but the Word of God, it really is potent. It will get into us and change us. So number one is, uh, of course, we have to, it starts beginning with salvation, but hearken unto the Word of God. Pay attention. Uh, Maggie's going to have her battles in the flesh just like I do and just like you do as well. Uh, but can I help you this morning and tell you that partial obedience is 100% disobedience. That's a bumper sticker, I'm sure. I didn't read on bumper sticker, but I'm telling you. Partial obedience is 100% disobedience. There is no partial obedience with Jesus Christ. He demands our best, and we'll end with that. He demands us to follow him. Look, John 14, 15 says this. This is Jesus. It's red letters in your Bible. It says, if ye love me, keep my commandments. He says that. Partial obedience is disobedience. Um, I like 1 Samuel 15, and, and where we're in our text. If you look down to verse 22, it says this in our text. It says, uh, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying what? The voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord. Listen. Me and you, we're going to struggle with this obedience thing. I'm just going to be honest with you because we got this flesh suit on. We need to tap into the source that can overcome our flesh. Not me, and it's not you. It's the Word of God. It's through it's John 1, 1. He is the Word. So we see here to listen, to hearken. Uh, James 1, 22, it talks about, Be ye doers of the Word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. I know James is written to the Jews, but I think you can make life application on it when it says that, uh, you don't work for your salvation, but our salvation should produce some work. That is the truth. If we're saved, uh, there ought to be something that's coming from us that's not me, that's not you, but it's, it's, it's just radiates, of course, the gospel. It just radiates Jesus. So hearken unto the, the voice of the Lord. Number two, God wants it. Look, this is, this is all simple stuff. God wants us to get rid of all the sin, all the distractions in our life that's causing Amalek to be seen and not him. Look at the, look at the script. This is harsh. If you want to just put things in practical terms, you look at verse 3, it's harsh. I mean, to me it's harsh. Utterly destroy all they have and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infants, babies, babies. And even their, their, the ox, the cattle, the sheep, the camels. I mean, that's kind of that's tough. But you've got to remember, Amalek's a picture of our flesh. Amalekites are a picture of our flesh. So what Satan is telling me and you, look, this story back, I always think about this. When this happened in the Bible, it actually happened. I can almost see, I'm a, I'm a weird visual guy. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a super strange dude, to be honest with you. But I think about this when he's writing this. There's going to be a time when Thomas needed to read this. And Thomas needs to understand that if you think partial obedience is obedience, then you're being misled by your flesh. Because he says to get rid of everything, get rid of the babies, the women, the ox, the sheep, the camels, the asses. He said don't spare anything. 
Can I help you this morning and help me this morning? Listen, there's things in mind in your life, and no doubt by me saying that it may have already come up, and you may think that's not that big of a deal. It's a big deal to God. He said get rid of all of it. Don't leave anything. Spare not. You know what spare not means? I looked it up. Spare not. That's what it meant. Spare not. Leave nothing. No remnants, nothing. Don't take spoils. Don't do anything. He said, don't do anything. I want it gone out of my life. I want it gone out of your life. Not so that we can be seen. So that the Christ that's in us, the Holy Spirit, can use me and you. So others, because there's people you can reach. There's people I can reach that others can't. Because of our crazy personalities or whatever it might be. Or your workplace, which is your mission field. We have to understand that the only decision Maggie makes on this side of eternity is what she did with Jesus Christ. The only decision me and you are going to make on this side of eternity that matters is Jesus Christ. And doing so after that becomes that discipleship. That becomes that killing of that flesh, that the Amalekites, if you will. And there's a bunch to that. It's hearkening to the Lord. It's, it's talking about get rid of all that sin. Think about it. Whatever it is that's coming to your mind right now. And I think about how I can do this. And if I can do this, I'm sure a lot of people do this. We rationalize what we want to get rid of. What we say is, well, this isn't so bad, and we'll put a quotation on it. This is not gossip. This is just me just talking my mind. This isn't stealing. I'm just borrowing. I mean, whatever, whatever it is. There's things that me and you put in our life, that, and that's the truth, that we let things stay around because to us, it's actually our comfort zone. We want them to hang around us, if the truth be known. And I bet you that God knew that Saul would want some of this stuff to hang around. That's why he said, hey, spare them not. Get rid of it all. So listen, here's, here's, here's something that me and you can get from this. So if God calls it a sin, it's a sin. It doesn't matter what I say or think, and it doesn't matter what you say or think. If God calls it a sin, it's a sin. And I only reference that gossip because it's so easy that uh, we get caught up in that. And, of course, in Corinthians and Galatians and Ephesians, it talks about that. It talks about, you know, not being whispered. It talks about not, not gossiping or not communicating, whatever we want to put that under. But so, look, there's things that's in mind in your life that the flesh has seen. we got to get rid of it, guys. we got to get rid of it. we got to get rid of it. The only way we can get rid of it is by hearkening to thus saith the Lord. So you look, at, you look at talking about getting things out of our life, the sin. Look at verses uh, 7 and 9 in our text in 1 Samuel 15. It says, And Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah unto thou comest ashore, that is over against Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive. Is that what, is that what the Lord said for him to do? Was to destroy everything and then get that king and take him with you? That's, you know what that is? That's partial obedience. That's disobedience. He decided, whatever back then, they would parade the king in the streets of a conqueror and whatnot. But it says right there in our text, it says in the Bible, it says that he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag. And the best of, well, there's more. And the best of their gossip, the best of their... Whatever you want to fill in there, they kept what they wanted to hang around. That's what it says. The best, that's because God said get rid of it. It's a picture of our flesh. It's a picture of what distracts us from God. And he says get rid of it all, but they decided to let some stuff hang around. It's as simple as that. 100% disobedience. 
what that's what it says in verse nine. It says, "But everything that was vile and, and, and uh, refused, that they utterly destroyed. Things they didn't care so much about. Yeah, they got that. That was the easy part. It's the stuff that they wanted to hang around that they had a problem getting rid of. So we're talking about getting rid of all of it. And you say, so what's the? It's not harming anybody but me. I mean, what's the big deal? Me allowing whatever it is quotations to stick around. Well, here's the thing that spoke to me about. Be where? Because the actions that me and you do do affect others. They affect others, have an impact. Say, why are you so sure about that? Because, listen, nobody sees my hidden sin. But there's things in our life. Look, if you look at Esther chapter 3, verse 1, and we got some words in here that's going to be tough, but it says, after these things did King... uh, that one promote Haman, the son of Hamathiah. Uh, the what's that? What's that next word? A guy, I guy. You know what that person was? Haman wanted to destroy the Jews. He wanted to wipe out the whole world of every Jew. That was Haman's desire. But Haman, he was an I guy. From King Agag. Did we utterly destroy King Agag? Did Saul destroy King Agag? Now he let him hang around a little bit, thinking that nobody's going to, it's not that big of a deal. This is my trophy. He's not going to affect anybody because he's going to be under my, my watch. Well, it only produced one of the most evil men in the Bible, Haman, who wanted to extinguish the Jews, who the Bible says was an Agite. Saul's sin, not to listen to God's word and get rid of everything, produced Haman. It produced Haman. Of course, if you look down verse 6 in in, uh, Esther chapter 3, it talks about him wanting to wipe out the race of the Jews. So we see that our sin does affect others. Look, I I always say this when I was a youth pastor, when I was a pastor, whatever. And this is the truth. This, this is the truth. If there's not but just one, somebody's watching you. You understand that, right? If there's not but just one, and sometimes we can minimize that one, but then you look at King Agag, and that one affected a lot. So we see that there's, if, there, if there's only just one at your workplace, in your house, if you're a parent, I say this all the time, we're making disciples. We're making disciples. Matthew talks about our light shining. Can I help you? We are producing disciples, whether it's disciples to honor God or whether we're producing us when we produce us as flesh. So we're producing disciples. So let your light shine. I promise you, mind your light, it's shining. I promise you, there's no way not shining. But here's the thing. What is it producing? Is it producing people that's going to honor God? Is it, are they going to see Christ in me and you or are they going to see our flesh? Our Amaleks. Is that what they're going to see? So we see here that uh, beware because our choices, they do impact others. And then lastly is our attitude. Uh, I said it earlier, but we need to agree with what God says. Thus saith the Lord. If God calls it a sin, let's, let's me and you not rationalize it. You know, let's, let's, let's me and you not make excuses on why we can let that, let that sin stick around because it's not that big of a deal or whatnot. I like what uh, the Bible says here. I, I do think the Bible's perfect. That sounds like a church, such a churchy word, but it is. I like the illustrations it has in there, and the likes and the ads, and the say, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
But the Bible is perfect. And so how can me and you ever get saved if we don't even realize that we're a sinner? I don't need saving because I don't sin. Well, there's no way that we can get saved. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we have to recognize that for salvation that we're a sinner. We have to recognize that if God calls it a sin, no matter what me and you say, it's a sin. Look at uh, our text in verses 13 and 15. I'm going to read a couple of verses. In our text it says, And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, now remember, let's, let's reflect on the story. He told him to destroy everything, right? Kids, cattle, everything. Leave nothing. Spare not anything. And then you come to verse 13. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Is that not just us as Christians? That partial obedience, we think we've done God a favor. Listen, I've done most of it. You're welcome. You're welcome. And he says that, and I love, and this is not what I was going to read, but I love, I love Samuel's reply because this is, this, is, this is so sunny like him to say this. Look at verse 14. It says, And Samuel said, What meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? Samuel knew what thus saith the Lord. Then when Saul, Saul comes boasting, I done did something for God. I done got rid of, I, done, I, I killed it all. I picture Samuel doing this. Listen, what is this I hear? I hear sheep. I hear oxen. You sure you got rid of everything? Because what is that that I hear, Saul? That would be a checkup in the neck. Then when he tells them, hey, you got rid of everything, I guess my ears are deceiving me when I hear the sheep and the cattle off of the distance. That's what he tells them. So you look at verse 15. It says, and Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the, who, who spared the people the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God and the rest we have utterly destroyed the people the people is the reason why I'm sinning it's not my fault I've done a little bit it's the people I've done what the Lord asked me oh you're going to call me out then it's the people the people didn't want to spare him. And then in verse 21 it says, But the people took of the spoil, the sheep and the oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. He tells them they, they did to be sacrificing. He says they, they, did it, they, they only took them to, to sacrifice. Man, Saul, what a great picture of me and you rationalizing why we don't want to be used of God. Why we don't have that total surrender. I don't always have that total surrender. I pray that you do, but his desire is that we have that total surrender. And it says right here, it says um, in verse 22, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken then the fight of, of rams. It's saying, look, it's better to, what he's telling him is he says, I'm using this as an excuse, but we brought them only to sacrifice to the Lord. And he says, look, it's better that you're obedient than to sacrifice. Hearken unto the voice of the Lord. So we see Saul's uh, opinion on the matter in verse 24. It says, And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy word. That would have been great if he had just stopped right there. But he doesn't. 
He says, because, there it is, I have feared the people and obeyed their voice. Man, what an attitude. What an attitude. Saul had no, he later on talks about his worship being uh, hindered because of it, but he, he, he doesn't have an attitude of remorse. He knows that he wasn't obedient to the Lord, but it still didn't change his mind on the matter that it wasn't Saul's fault. It was somebody else's. Listen, there's no way God's going to be able to help me if I don't recognize the things in my life or sin against God. And he's not going to help you either, by the way, guys. He can't help you with your sin if you don't sit there and recognize it as sin. Saul said it was not his sin. It is not my flesh. It is not my Amalek. It is not my problem. People, people, because, because. Excuses after excuses after excuses on why he hasn't hearkened unto the Lord, the word of the Lord. And then you look at, you look at uh, David in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13. Just, this is one book over. You look at uh, David. This is David. Of course, the Bible says, man, after God's own heart, he desired the things of God. But if you look at chapter 12, 13, so we see Saul. Look, we're talking about our fourth one. Talk about hearken to the voice of the Lord through obedience. We talked about uh, God wanting us to get rid of sin in our life and then beware that our choices have consequences to others, not just us. And then lastly is our attitude. We see Saul's attitude was, it was the people, it was the people. It wasn't him. I did all I was supposed to do. And then you see David. We all know David's sin, don't we? We all know David's sin. I always say this right, right here. I'm glad I didn't live back then because I wouldn't want my sins listed on this, this Bible. David is an example for us of the sins that he committed. I would not want my sins. I'm sure you would not want your sins on listed in this Bible, no matter if it did help others. But listen, David, the Bible says a man after God's own heart, but we know about his sin. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. He took ownership. He didn't, he didn't blame the people. He didn't blame whoever you want to fill in the blank. He didn't blame his circumstances. You don't know what i got to go through day in, day out. I don't, but he does, capital H. Look, at the end of the day, David recognized that it was nobody else to blame but himself. He said, I have sinned. That God can use. He can turn that around for his glory through us by admitting that something we allow to stick around whether it be the ox, the sheep, or the cattle, the king, whatever it is that we allow to stick around, when we recognize that it's a sin and get rid of it, and we say, I have sinned unto the Lord. David recognized that he was the ownership. He took ownership. As we reflect, and of course, the special day of Maggie, and of course, the act of obedience, the story pictures an act of obedience or disobedience, if you will. And I thought about this. It can be discouraging, I'm sure, Lee and Dylan and, and Daniel and Sean, some of your other ones that are in ministry can, can understand that, it, that it's tough. And can I help you this morning? If you're saved, guess what? You're calling us to the ministry. You're in the ministry. That's all you need to be in the ministry. You don't need a title. You need to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Bam, that starts mine in your ministry each and every day. But Luke 6.46 says this, and this is kind of, this is kind of harsh. It's red letters. And I say this a lot, too. I say a lot of things a lot, I guess. But So 
a lot of Christians will accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, but we just don't desire to choose Him as our Lord. There's a difference. Savior gets me and you to heaven. Master says, I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to hearken unto you. You're going to control my actions. Listen to what Jesus says in Luke 6, 46. It says this, red letters. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? That should hit me and you right between the eyes, dude. I'm going to shoot you straight. How many times does the Holy Spirit say that to me and you? Why are you calling me Lord? I like it when he says, hey, you choose this day who you will serve. I think it's a, it's a choice mentally, to be honest with you, between our flesh and the Spirit. Paul talks about it a lot. But it says right here, why are you calling me Lord and Lord? You ain't listening to me. You're listening to that flesh. You're listening to Amalek. You're listening to them. You ain't listening to me. So why ye call me Lord and Lord and do not the things which I say? Why well, I give you an answer. I give you the answer. 2 Timothy 4 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust. Lust of what? The flesh. Shall they heap to themselves teachers that have itchy ears? Hey, tell me what I want to hear. Justify my sin, please. It's not that big, I promise you, in the scale. I didn't murder nobody. I didn't commit adultery like David. Listen, only me and you put scales on sin. Not God. There's only one sin that God will put a scale on. That's what we do with Jesus Christ, is denying the, de- denying the existence thereof. Listen, there's no rationalization. We'll do it. I'll do it before I leave here, more than likely. Not bragging about it, but if I, if I let the flesh, the Amalek, speak louder than the spirit because I'm not in his word or wherever it may be. There'll be times when that, that, that flesh will say, we're no different than Laodicean, 2 Timothy 4, 3. And then, of course, this to, to, um, to end, and Lee, this will be the last point I'll make. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15, and, verses 15 and 16. I thought about this right here. You know, I don't know if you know this, but there's over 4,000 different religions. Four, over 4,000 different religions. But Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So what that is, is that's Satan just distracting me and you from, and they may be just a small little twist to that religion. I'm going to be honest with you, I, I could care less about religion. <laughs> and I may be the only pastor in this world, I don't care. I hate religion. I'm religious about eating, and it shows. But being religious ain't going to do one thing for me and you. It's a relationship. It's another R. It's a relationship. That's what it's all about. Not a religion, but a relationship. So 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16 in closing says this. But as he which hath called you is... Because this is what I was thinking as I was even studying this. And, and y'all probably, maybe some of y'all thought this, maybe not. Maybe I was the only one thought this. I know that people that you try to, to witness to, they'll say, you know, Christianity is a bunch of rules, do's and don'ts. You can't do them all. I mean, by the way, I'm not perfect, you know. You hear all the excuses, right? We hear them all. I can't do it. You're darn right you can't. You might want to type into Philippians 4.13 if you're going to try to do it. But that being said, 1 Peter 1.15 says, But as ye which hath called which hath called you is holy. Talking about God. So be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. You know what that's telling you? It's what it's telling me. How's your effort? How's my effort? Do we just want to allow this sin to stick around so that we can say, look, I tried, I can't do it. I I mean, I'm only fleshly. There's no way that I'm able to overcome it. 
The Bible says, be ye holy, for I am holy. You know what that means? The way me and you can be, to be even more right with God is to, that's through salvation. But for me to overcome my flesh is to be in this Word of God. Same thing with you, be in the Word of God. Let's make it an effort. Let's make it an attempt. Listen, it's like this. If, you, if there's no attempt, no effort, then you succeeded. You've become just what you wanted to be, nothing, as far as, as, far as letting the flesh supersede it. But if we make an attempt, and I, my, my word should be, I want to try to be holy, for he is holy. My master is holy. So that being said, it's a great opportunity for Maggie to display her obedience through, after salvation. But it should be a challenge to me and you as far as our walk. Paul talks about the walk in the spirit, walk in the flesh. So I just want to uh, share that story through First uh, Samuel chapter 15. It spoke to me about how the flesh can overcome if we don't, if we don't tap into our resources, which is the Word of God. Let's do this. Um, Take just a second. Close your eyes. Bow your head with me. Um, a lot of things um, that could be said about that that whole that whole deal there with uh, with Saul. A lot of us, we you know, if we're not careful, we put a lot of we tell the Lord a lot of times what we're willing to do and. He's just got to deal with it. We tell him, well, Lord, I, you know, I just don't want to do that. Lord, I'm just not, I'm just not this, or I'm just not that, or I'm, you know, I'm not going to do discipleship. I, you know, I'm not going to be a part of this. I'm not going to be a part of that. I, you know, there's a whole lot of things that I don't, that I tell the Lord that I don't want to do before, before it ever even comes around me actually getting a chance to say yes or no. This is, here's where Saul is. Saul's looking at all the things that he could have in his flesh. And he tells the Lord, no. No, Lord, I want that in my flesh. No, Lord, I want that in my flesh. And what, what Saul didn't understand was that God had way more for him in obedience than Saul could ever give himself in his own disobedience. And that's where a lot of us are a lot of times. We feel like we know more than God does. We, do, we won't ever say that, but we feel like we know more than the Lord does. We feel like we can provide better than the Lord can provide. Lord, I'm not going to give because I, I won't have anything if I give. Lord, I'm not going to do this. Lord, I'm not going to do that. Maybe, maybe I, I just want to pray for you. I just want to pray for you. If you're in here and you're lost, you need to get saved. If you really want to get saved, uh, church is over with. There's plenty of people around here. If you're a lady, there's plenty of people around here. If you're a man, young person, that would be honored to open a Bible and show you what it means to come to faith in Jesus Christ. But I just want to pray for you right now just to say yes to the Lord. Like if God God calls you to, to give up things, and you say, Lord, I, I know way better. I got this. I've been doing this. Some of you have been in church way longer than I have. And, and, and you feel like you got it figured out. This may be a good time to reset. May be a good time to say, I, I don't have it all figured out. So if you would, I, I'd just like to pray for you before we baptize Maggie. I'd love to just ask the Lord right now. 
to do something in your heart. And I don't know where you are, but, but, but it sure would be cool if God could do it. Lord, thank you so much uh, for the message. Lord, thank you, Lord, for, for giving us a perfect Bible. And uh, God, thank you for giving us the example of Saul. Lord, that you've made, you, you've, you've already made declarations. You've called us to certain places. And, and God, a lot of times we take the reins and we feel like we know better than you do. Saul felt like that he was wasting things when, when he could have kept those things. He felt like that what the Lord said wasn't needful or what the Lord said wasn't, wasn't applicable to his own life. And, and God, a lot of times we do that. We skate around things. God, I want to say, uh, Lord, I'm sorry for the things I've skated around in my own life. Lord, I, I pray that there'd be nobody in here leave without first having done what they need to do with you in terms of the own, own their own deals that they've made, uh, the places they specifically said no, the places that God's called them to serve in, and they've said no time and time again. And, and Lord, they... They've been, maybe they've been burnt serving. Maybe they've been hurt in church. Maybe, uh, maybe they're hurt in their own relationships outside of church right now. Lord, Lord, there is nothing like obedience to fix relationships. There's nothing like obedience to fix church hurt. And Lord, I, I, I just want to say, Lord, thank you for giving us the example of Saul. I pray, God, that you use it. I pray, God, that you use the messenger in our lives as we leave out of here. Lord, thank you for Brother Thomas. Lord, may we go and, and remember uh, remember the practicality and the points, Lord, that, that we could take some things with us and really see God work. God, I pray that you bless it. I pray, God, that you use this time. Lord, I pray that you bless this, uh, this next step, Lord, that, that Maggie's going to take first step of obedience in her own life. And God, may there be many more uh, as she walks with you as she does her thing, and, and Lord, as she has a church to help her, as she's got her parents to help her, as she's got a whole family behind her. Lord, I love you. I pray that you bless uh, everything that was said in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, for a lot of you, this is what you came for this morning. You came to see uh, Miss Maggie uh, make this make this part of her life a, a, a the public deal should be good right there Dylan's pretty Dylan's not as wide as I am you should be able to should be able to make that pretty good shouldn't you you think you think you're all right right there yeah uh so um Maggie if it's not warm it's Sarah Joe and Claire's fault okay all right so I tried to I tried to explain to her the creek scenario. Back yeah, in the yeah, day, the so creek scenario is a real deal. Praise the Lord for that one not being a thing anymore. Okay. All right, so here she is. We've been wait waiting for this this moment. Here, come down here. Is it cold? Okay, come down here. It's all right. Dave's gonna do a little preaching, so sit here for a second. Um, so she's probably. I was actually trying to kind of recollect some things in my mind this morning. Uh, her wheels have been turning with this whole thing of, of salvation for probably more than six months. And I think Tori thought that I didn't want her to get saved because she'd come to me and I'd be like, yeah, we'll talk about it. You know, like she, she like specifically, she came to me at the beach one time. I think it was like June. She's like, hey, I want to talk about salvation. And I was like, okay, well, if you want to talk about it tonight, 
I want you to think about it, and I want you to bring it up to me again. Uh, and so I was always, you know, I was, all, I was so nervous. I didn't want her to repeat her prayer and just to go through something mindlessly. I wanted her, her to understand the gospel. And so November 2nd uh, is when she actually accepted Christ. She comes to me. Um, we've just recently gotten back home, Charleston, and all that crazy stuff. And uh, she comes to me, and she's bringing up eternal life again, bringing up salvation. So we, we look through some Bible verses. Again, I'm, I'm giving her, uh, you know, try to give her every, I would explain every aspect of the gospel. Uh, but then we move into the bedroom. It gets a little more serious. Go through some more verses, look at some things. I'm quizzing her the whole time before I, you know, before I encourage her to call upon the Lord. I'm like, now do you believe this? Now do you understand? You know, I'm quizzing her. And she actually asked me after she gets baptized if I'll stop quizzing her because I'm still quizzing her. And I said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. That will, that will remain a thing. Um, so, but, on, but on November 2nd, Mags, the best she knew how, understanding the gospel, called upon Christ to save her. And I praise the Lord for that. So, Mags, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you these things publicly because that's what we said we were going to do this. And you told Mommy you're going to say yes no matter what. I actually want you to hear me, okay? <laughs> do you believe that Jesus is God? You do? Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and that he, he was buried and rose again? Mm -hmm. Now, you're answering before I'm finishing. I was going to tell you a curveball there. And do you know that your life is now Jesus Christ? It's not your own? All right. Well, it's based on your profession of faith. I baptize you, my sister. Got a little bit of an awkward deal here. Let's go right here. I baptize you, my sister. Here, put your, you put your hands in your nose like this. I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, buried in the likeness of his death and raised to walk in newness of life. <laughs> all right, all right, and there goes Macklin. He's, he's fell out in the spirit. Son, we, son, we don't do that around here. Oh, whoa, he wants his mama. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, thank you for being a part of our big day as we uh, remembered. Uh, you know, years ago, um, Brother Mark, he kind of, he, he beat it into my head that you needed some days of remembrance. And uh, because we, we do, we rush through everything. And uh, we'll do this again with Mission Focus. For those of us that's going on Mission Focus, you'll... You'll probably hear some testimonies from that when we get back from there. And um, so uh, let me encourage you on that deal. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to look that up, all that's online. Um, it's uh, You can go to LFF, LFF.org, I think, and uh, you can see the dates there. We're going to put everything will be online. Uh, it'll be live if you want to go and, and, uh, and participate in that at your own home, however that may look for you. Um, but uh, again, thank you for being here. I, I pray that God used it in your life and you're encouraged and that God can strengthen you through the whole thing. I know the revival was huge for me as far as encouragement goes. I'll tell you one of the greatest encouragements that I've gotten recently, and I mean this. I'm living in my house. And I actually lived in it uh, I guess Thursday, uh, well, we worked almost all day Thursday, uh, about, what, till 2 o'clock? We got off at 2 o'clock, then we started to, something like that. And, uh, and Sergio said, what time are we getting off today? 
I said, I'm going to let you off at 2. She said, I need like 45 minutes to get ready. I'm like, eh, 2 o'clock should be good. And uh, for real, we, we work like dogs. But, uh, but at, at 2 o'clock, I didn't work Thursday. I didn't work uh, the rest of the day Thursday, uh, Friday, or Saturday. So it's been a great day in my world. Uh, some great days since I've been in that house. So praise the Lord for that. And uh, I'm glad you, yeah, I'm glad you bore with us uh, through that whole time. I'm hoping our life will slow down a little bit now. So, anyway, I love you. Have a good rest of the day. Uh, shake hands. Make sure you tell Brother Thomas how much you enjoyed this morning. Find somebody hand shook hands with. Tell him he's glad to see him. Tell Miss Maggie how proud you are of her. And uh, we'll see you on Wednesday night.